You're listening to the Faith Matters Podcast with Steve McKinley. Hello and welcome. I'm glad you could be part of the conversation today. If you'd like to join the conversation, just leave a comment below the video here. I'd love to hear your questions if you have any. Maybe you have some feedback or comments of your own. Uh, leave those. I'd lo- love to hear them. And we're just finishing up a four-part series here on near events in Bible prophecy. And did you know that the Bible contains many, many prophecies? And many that we can look at are already past, and there are some that are yet to come. And those are what we're focusing on here. And we all may be wondering, what's coming up? And God gave us a, um, a general blueprint of his plan for our futures. And uh, we find out a lot of that in Revelation. And so I'm going to be in Revelation chapter 20 here. And if you were watching last week, you'll remember that uh, that one of the th- that the third event coming up is that Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth on a white horse and establishing his kingdom and reigning for a thousand years. And so the message from last week is that Jesus Christ wins and you want to accept Christ because he will reign victorious on this earth for a thousand years. And I kind of left you with a question last time. Well, what happens after that? And that's our topic for today. After the thousand-year reign of Christ, there is a resurrection of the dead of all time. And uh, specifically, this is the those who died in their sins, not having received God's salvation. And uh, God's salvation is centered in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And so Jesus Christ is God's provision for our salvation. He became our sacrifice um, to pay the debt of sin that we owed. But for all those of all time, since the very beginning of creation... Up until this point, uh, till the end of the world, really, who died not knowing God, never bowing the knee to God, um, and not receiving Christ Jesus as their Savior, the generally just the salvation that God provides, they will be resurrected um, at the end of of the thousand year reign of Christ. And that's what John describes here in Revelation chapter 20. And remember, um, John here is dictating to us a vision that he saw of things to come. And so as we read this, think about this is uh, the Apostle John who saw this vision and he's writing it down for us. He saw future things as if they've already happened. And so listen how he describes this future judgment He says in Revelation 20, verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, uh, and, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So, once again, this is a resurrection 
of the dead of all time, of anyone who died in their sins, never having received God's salvation in Jesus Christ, and uh, they are resurrected to stand in judgment. And where do people go when they die without Christ today? Well, Jesus spoke of the place of hell. And when you think of the place of hell, it is a place of burning, it's a place of fire and things like that. Um, think of that as a holding cell. And uh, what is a holding cell? Well, that's where the suspected criminal will spend his time um, before he is sentenced by the judge. He's kept in, an, in jail or in a holding cell of some sort. And that's basically what hell is. And uh, at the end of time, judgment day is coming. And all those who are presently in hell, in this holding cell, in, in jail, so to speak, they're going to come up and, and they're going to be resurrected um, in order to be judged at this great white throne judgment. And so this is a terrible judgment to be at. There won't be any believers at the great white throne judgment. This is strictly for unbelievers, for all those who died without ever being saved. And, uh, and John describes this as a great white throne. Uh, it's an awesome thing to think about. It's, it's a great in terms of size, probably also just in the... In, in the power and in the glory that kind of surrounds this throne. It's a throne of authority, and it evokes fear in everyone who stands before the throne. And John says, I saw this great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. So this is such a terrifying experience that anyone who stands before the great white throne wants to run away, wants to get away because of the, the, the awful terror of this, this sight of the great white throne. But John says here there's no place to run, and the, the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. So... Uh, there's no running away from the great white throne. Everyone who has died in their sins will stand in judgment before the great white throne. And what is the nature of this judgment? John goes on there in verse 12, and he says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And so it doesn't matter if you're a small, inconsequential person here on this earth, or if on earth you were someone of great status and great economic standing, maybe someone in power um, or someone of great wealth and influence. It doesn't matter. Um, everyone who dies in their sins, small or great, will stand before the great white throne, judgment, and it says, and, and the books were opened. They stand before God, and the books are open. What kind of books are we talking about here? Well, he mentions two books. He says, uh, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So, 
There is a book of life which contains all the names of, of all the saved of all time, whose names are written in the book of life. Uh, that's the record of who is allowed into heaven. And if your name's not written in the book of life, you don't have access to heaven. You will find yourself at the great white throne judgment. And at the great white throne judgment, there are other books that are opened. And these books contain the works of every person since the beginning of their life up until their death. Everything that a person ever did is going to be brought to light. And God will shine his light right into the heart. God knows every evil deed that we've ever done. And, um, and for those who have not received the, the, uh, the grace of God in Jesus Christ, those who have not had their sins just washed away by the, by the shed blood of Jesus Christ on, uh, as he died there on the cross of Calvary, um, they'll stand there before the great white throne judgment in their sins, and God sees everything. And uh, there's a record. There's a written record of some sort. It says the books are opened, and uh, and and the people who stand there are judged out of these books. It says according to their works. And so, what we do in this life matters. And for all unbelievers who die in their sins, all these works are going to come to light. And it's those works, those sins, everything that offends the holy nature of God that will be cause for judgment at this great white throne judgment. And I want to read for you uh, Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9. And here... This is likely Solomon that wrote Ecclesiastes. But uh, he has some advice for a young man. And this what this is what he says, Ecclesiastes 11.9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things... God will bring thee into judgment. So all the way back here in the Old Testament, they knew that God would bring each person into judgment. Um, and, and this is his advice to young man. Go about your life. Do what you're doing. Um, walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, in other words, just let your desires carry you along in life and do whatever you're going to do. But know this, that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So as you're going through your life, know that God is keeping track and he's going to bring you in judgment for all these things. And so as you're living your life right now, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, all the evil deeds that you do, all the sinful thoughts, any sinful thing that you do is being recorded in, this, in these books. And it, they will come up and will be held against you um, should you stand 
before God in judgment at the great white throne judgment. And so this is a, a terrible judgment. You don't want to be at the great white throne judgment, and there's no good outcome of this judgment. But it's a judgment of works, and uh, the Bible says that everyone has sinned. And so there's no perfect, sinless person. So uh, at this judgment, no one is going to escape judgment. And uh, everyone uh, will be judged for their sins and will be sentenced to a terrible place. And, and so I said that hell is, is basically a holding cell. It's jail um, until people there are resurrected and brought up to stand before this great white throne judgment to be judged of God. And every person standing at this judgment will receive the guilty verdict. And then what happens? Well, in our penal system, it's prison. You know, you're sent off to prison. What is prison in God's penal system? It's called the lake of fire. And that's often what we think of when we think of hell. Um, hell right now is basically jail, but ultimate hell, um, ultimate um, damnation and the place of the guilty will be the lake of fire. And that's what John says here, if we read on in verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell were delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. So, um, again, uh, the sea um, and the earth um, gave up their dead, and and it says, and death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them. And so everybody comes up out of the earth, comes up out of hell, wherever hell is, and will stand before the great white throne judgment. They will be pronounced guilty. And then in verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now we found out earlier here in this chapter that the lake of fire is a place that was prepared for Satan and all of his followers. And the point that I, I made a few weeks ago here on the podcast talking about end time events is to uh, reject Jesus Christ in this life is the same as embracing or accepting or following the Antichrist, who is a satanically driven man. And, um, and so uh, everyone who has followed Satan in rejecting Christ um, will find themselves suffering the same torment that was prepared for Satan, and that is the lake of fire. And so the Bible says that uh, the end destination for every person who dies in their sins without Christ is the lake of fire, and it says this is the second death. Did you know that, that the Bible teaches two deaths? The first death is when your spirit leaves your body, and your body is laid in the grave, but after that there's a resurrection, a resurrection to judgment. And... Um, and the second death, then, is eternal death, and that's being cast into the lake of fire. And everyone who dies in Christ will be resurrected to eternal life. And so these are the two choices. We have eternal life, and we have eternal death. 
And the lake of fire is a terrible place. And in fact, uh, you know, Jesus spoke about hell a lot during his ministry, more than anyone else. And he told us that it was a place of fire. And it's called a place of eternal fire. It's called a place of outer darkness. It's a place of torment, of eternal punishment. It's called here in Revelation 20, the second death. It's called eternal destruction. It's also called the lake of fire and brimstone. And Jesus talked about it as being the place where the worm does not die, where the worm dieth not. And the worm is is probably there a symbol of death. You know, think of the worm that eats the corpse. And uh, this is a place where the the worm feeding on the dead corpse never dies. So I think the picture that Jesus was trying to give us was uh, that hell is a place of eternal dying. And so what a gruesome thought to think that unbelievers will be resurrected and have some kind of bodies that are capable of eternal death. You know, resurrection to life in heaven means getting new glorified bodies which prepare us for life in heaven and eternal life. We'll get eternal bodies. But people who die in their sins will have bodies that are made specifically for eternal death. And so the picture that we get here is that of eternal suffering. There is no end to the torment of hell. When a person dies in their sins, that's it. After they're judged, they're pronounced guilty, they're cast in the lake of fire, that is the second death, and there's no coming back um, from the second death. And you can search the scripture in vain. There's nothing in scripture about purgatory. There's nothing in between. Uh, There's only life and death. Those are the two choices. You either have Christ or you don't. Okay, if you, if you do have Christ, no suffering is needed. Christ paid it all. If you don't have Christ, no amount of suffering is going to make up for your offenses against an infinitely holy God, a God of infinite worth. And so the only outcome, the only just judgment is eternal suffering, eternal punishment. And so we get a gruesome, horrible picture of, first of all, the judgment, and then this lake of fire where the worm does not die. And so you don't want to be at the great white throne judgment. You don't want to find yourself at the second death in the lake of fire. Uh, Be warned, and Scripture does warn us. Rather, you want to be resurrected to eternal life. You want to be in Christ. And if you're in Christ, heaven is basically a continuation of Christ's 1,000-year reign here on earth. Remember we said his kingdom that he's going to set up and rule in for a 1,000 years, heaven is a continuation of that. And, And the Bible says that this earth is going to be burned up um, the, the, the heavens and the earth, essentially the universe as we know it, is going to be destroyed. And I think that's because it's a sin-cursed place. 
and uh, it's been full of sin. It's God's just going to wipe it out. It's going to be totally destroyed. But then he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And this new heaven and a new earth, I think, will be very much like the original earth that God created in its pristine condition where there was no sin before Adam and Eve brought sin into the world. And so heaven is called a place of the new heaven and the new earth. It's called an eternal kingdom. It's a kingdom that will never end. Just like the lake of fire will will never end for unbelievers, so heaven will never end for believers. And uh, it's described as a place where we'll have perfect glorified bodies, perfect glorious bodies. We don't know what those will be like, but there will be no more pain, um, no more old age. Um, Everything about us will be perfect. There will be complete happiness. Many people think that heaven is a place of boredom of drifting around on clouds. No, the Bible says that uh, it's a place of perfect happiness. And David said in Psalm 16, um, the last verse, I think it was verse 11 or so, he said, at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. He said, in your presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So the way that uh, that. David described heaven as a place of eternal pleasure and joy. doesn't sound like a boring place to me. And it is a place of unending, uninterrupted love. In fact, we'll have perfect relationships with every other person who is in heaven, and we'll have a perfect love for God, and, and we'll experience the fullness of his love for us. And it will also be a place of unending worship. It will be a place where we gather around the throne and and worship God, and we'll spend much time in eternity worshiping God. And so these are the two choices. These are the choices for every person on this earth. And if you're watching, um, I hope that you can say that you have received Christ because these are the choices that are set before you. Um if Bible prophecy is to be believed, and as we've already said, all we have to do is look back 2,000 years ago, and everybody knows Jesus came according to the Old Testament prophecies, we better believe that he's coming back just as he said, and that these things are actually in store for us. And so we're left with the two choices. You can die in your sins without Christ, and end up in in the lake of fire for all of eternity. What tragedy that would be. Um, But here God is holding out his salvation to you in Jesus Christ, and he's pleading with you to accept Christ. And then you have eternal life and eternal bliss in the presence of God for all of eternity. That's the alternative. That is the choice that is set before us. And I love the way that John ends Revelation. Here in Revelation 22, verse 17, he said, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. And so this is the Holy Spirit of God bidding you to come, extending the invitation, come to Christ. 
And Jesus himself um, said this in John chapter 7. He said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And I love the analogy of water. Uh, water is, uh, is abundant. It's almost everywhere on earth. Um, it's free. It is uh, more than anything else. It quenches your thirst. And spiritually speaking, Jesus Christ provides us water. We can come to him and drink. We can have every spiritual need met in Jesus Christ. And he promises us that we'll never thirst again. In other words, life in Christ is all we'll ever need spiritually. It's all we'll ever want. Uh, We'll find our fullness. We'll find our joy in Jesus Christ. And so, again, there are two choices set before us. There is eternal life, and there's resurrection to eternal life. There's resurrection to judgment and eternal dying in the lake of fire. And here, here is Jesus standing with arms open, bidding us to come um, and, and offering us his love and his grace and his mercy offering to wipe away every sin that you've ever committed. And his death on the cross uh, was sufficient payment to pay the, the price that you owe for your sin. And when he died on the cross, all the guilt of your sin was laid on him. And the way to come to Christ and to receive him is to repent of your sin um, and trust that his death on the cross paid your price that you owed and receive him. And he promises he'll he'll give you new life, he'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, Um, you'll never have to worry about judgment, you'll never have to worry about condemnation or or ending up in the lake of fire. Uh, There's only uh, life and eternal bliss to look forward to. How is that a hard decision? I really don't understand people who will not bend the knee to Christ because it's such a good proposition. It's the best deal you'll ever find, that you'll ever get. And there's no downside. There's only an upside. Why would people not accept that? And here is the Holy Spirit working in people's heart. Maybe the Holy Spirit's working in your heart right now and bidding you to come. The the Spirit and the bride say, come. And Jesus Christ himself says, come and drink. Uh, Have you done that? If not, what are you waiting for? Oh